Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Good to see you all this morning. How are you guys? Doing pretty good, even with all the rain, the doom and gloom. <laughs> oh, well, happy September. Or should I say happy hunting? We got any moose slayers in the house so far? Okay. Not any better than first service. Yikes. All right, church, we're struggling a little bit. That's where Pastor Jonathan is, by the way, so hopefully... Someone comes back with a moose. Um, But anyways, well, it's good to see you guys. We're, like Pete said, we're launching into a new series, Living Out Loud. We're talking about the Psalms and kind of the tagline of the series is how to express ourselves out loud in a cancel culture world, in a world that will tell you, no, just suppress that feeling, that emotion that you have. we're going to look at the Bible and what, what does it have to say about um, those feelings and how do we get those out in a healthy way um, that's going to bring glory and honor to God? Because um, I believe we're called to do that as followers of Jesus, even in a world that will tell you, hey, hold on, easy, right? Um, I think there's a, there's a different way to do that. And so that's what we're going to look at for the next several weeks um, <clears throat> in the book of Psalms. So my title for today is The Power of praise. The power of praise. What comes to your mind when you hear the word praise? Someone throw something at me. Prayer. Prayer. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think naturally we think when we hear praise, we think singing, right? Like what we just did, uh, which I would totally agree. Um, And then some of us probably thought like, well, I think of when I'm at the my favorite uh, sporting event, and my team wins the big game, everybody erupts in praise, right? Or like your kindergartner, maybe they just won their first place prize in the spelling bee, and you're going wild, woo, my kid's the smartest in the world, whatever, you know? Or maybe it's when your kid takes their first steps, which may or may not have happened in the Sliwa household this past week. Yeah, the, you know, the whole like... One, two, boom, face plant. Got to pick them up, console them, they're crying, you know, but it's pretty awesome. We were, there was some praise going on in the Sliwa house, all right? We were pretty pumped and excited. Um, I think when we really get down to it, everybody praises to some level, to some degree, regardless of whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, praise is something that we just naturally do. I think it's ingrained in us. Um... And I would actually take it a step further and say, I think praise is something we were made to do. It was something we were created to do. Psalm 150 verse 5 says, let everything that has breath, let's try this again, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Do you have breath this morning? Guess what? You're to praise. 
right? There's no way around it. So today we're talking about Psalms of praise, if you haven't figured that out. That's where we're going. And if you've never read through the Psalms, you need to do it. It's a great book. Um, Psalms is a collection of songs and poems compiled into one book, um, several different authors, uh, most of which, though, were written by King David um, over the course of many, many years, lifespan. And it, I would say it accurately portrays the condition of the human heart. It's full of emotion. It's full of passion, feeling. Uh, so much heart is poured out into the Psalms. And uh, I know some of you guys in here, like, that sounds like a weird romance novel. Not into that. I promise you it's not. It's, it's so much more. It's, it's a glimpse into the heart and the life and the mind of the psalmist, um, mainly David. And uh, <clears throat> I put, I've heard it put this way. Psalms are, it's similar to like a, a journal, a private journal um, from David. And so that's kind of how I thought about this as I've been preparing. And, but I got to say, my personal opinion, this is not in the Bible. This is just something I've thought of over the course of the years is, um, as I've read through the Psalms, to me it appears pretty clear that David, um, perhaps maybe the first character in the Bible, that really struggled with mental health issues. And um, something we're not, we don't talk about a lot, but you don't have to get very far into Psalms to realize this guy was depressed at times. Like he, he clearly had some struggles. He had some anxiety I mean, when you make statements like, darkness is my closest friend, <laughs> he's honest, right? Like, there, there was something going on, and I don't think we talk about it enough in the church, um, but it's, it's plagued our young people in this generation, if you were not aware. Mental health, things like depression, suicide, anxiety, those types of things are skyrocketing through the roof in our young people. It's very prevalent. It's very happening. And so, it actually makes sense that Maybe, again, this is my thought, David had th this sort of struggle. And if you know the life of David, it makes sense. I mean, if someone was trying to kill you for months on end, you'd probably be a little anxious, right? A little stressed. I mean, he had a far from an easy life. But what I love is he didn't hide it. He was honest. He wrote it all down. He said, this is it. This is what I'm going through. And yet, through the worst of the worst, through some of the darkest, gloomiest psalms, there's this thread, there's this glimmer of praise throughout each of the psalms. So <clears throat> I want to open up the Bible, look at Psalm 100 as sort of our anchor psalm. And uh, full disclosure, this is my wife's Bible. <laughs> and so far I've got a lot of like, oh, that's a cool Bible. One lady came up to me first service like, that's aesthetically looking, I like that. I'm like, wow, okay. Guess I'm using this Bible forever now. No, I just love it. It's uh, NLT. It's what I've been studying uh, this week. <clears throat> but um, Psalm 100, turn, turn there with your Bibles. Or you can follow on the screen. It says this, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to God and praise his name, for the Lord is good. 
His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Let's pray over the scriptures. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, may it be like in Psalms, a light unto our path, um, that as we navigate throughout life, that this would be the thing that we continue to go back on, because your word is true. It's alive and it's powerful. It can be trusted, Lord. And so we pray these next few moments as we dive into the word, as we look at what it looks like to um, praise you. Father, we just ask that our hearts and minds would be illuminated to the truth of your scriptures and your word. And ultimately, we would be drawn even closer into your presence, um, being made more and more like you each and every day. And all God's people said, amen. So what do we mean when we talk about Biblical praise. I give you a few scenarios of praise, you know, that we do kind of naturally. But what about biblical praise? When you read praise in the scriptures, what exactly is it talking about? What exactly does it look like? Well, some of you who have grown up in church or you've been a believer your whole life, this may not be totally new to you. Um, but I recognize that as a pastor, one of our jobs is to not just bring something new to the table every week. I mean, sure, we're, we're, we need to be in the scripture and reading and asking the Lord to speak. Um, but I also think that part of our job is to remind you of things you already know, but maybe have forgotten along the way, right? I know I need reminding. Um, I don't know what it is about me. Maybe it's because I just turned 30, but I can't figure out for the life of me or remind myself to put my shoes away when I come in the house. And it just bugs my wife to no end. I literally asked her last night, I was like, babe, what's the one thing I do that you constantly remind me of? She's like, oh, you're putting your shoes away. <laughs> it was like no hesitation. I was like, oh, all right. She's been holding that one for a while. So uh, I'm not going to ask her a question like that again, but some of you might be able to relate, right? But we're forgetful. There's just things that we needed to need to be reminded of. And uh, the same is true when it comes to our walk with Jesus. And so... Um, don't tune me out for these next few moments, but I want to I touch on uh, a few things of praise. And the first one is uh, give you quickly, we're just going to go through them quick, uh, seven Hebrew words for seven forms of praise. These are the different types of praise you read about in the scriptures. And all of them are found in Psalms. Now, some of them are found in other parts of the Bible, other parts of scripture, but you can find all of these um, described and on display in the Psalms. So here we go. First uh, one, <clears throat> seven words for seven forms of praise. The first one, and again, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, okay? So if I don't pronounce these, uh, don't kill me, all right? Tauda, first one, sacrifice or thanks. Um, in particular, this means giving praise when the thing you're praising God for hasn't even happened yet. Man, you're like, you're believing. God, you, I know you're a healer. I know you can heal me, so I'm gonna praise you. Even though I haven't experienced healing yet, I'm still gonna believe for it. I'm still gonna praise you for it, right? Or maybe it's a situation that you're in that hasn't gotten better, or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> Second one, yada, which a lot of us were doing just a few minutes ago, right? Lifting our hands, it's expressive. A lot of these are expressive in nature. They're, they're, they're things that you're feeling internally, and it's got to come out somehow. <laughs> Barak, bowing or to kneel. 
more, more reverent, more um, in awe, if you will, form of praise. Shabak, to shout. Heard some of you doing that a little bit earlier. You were shouting. Sylvia, I heard you. You were praising. And it's good. And this actually means like to shout. Not like, yay, God, you're so awesome. But like, yay, God. Like shout it out, right? You can't contain. Zama, to sing, play an instrument. Halal, to celebrate, to party, to celebrate what God has done in your life or in someone else's life. You can't help but just give praise, right? This is actually where we get the word hallelujah. And then tahila, sing, dance, praise. It's kind of all-encompassing, right? This was Chantel on stage, man. She was getting it. It's, it's, there's a form of spontaneity to it. It, it. It's you're going about your day, and then, man, you just can't, you're thinking of the things of God, and then, bam, next thing you know, you're singing, you're dancing, you're shouting, you're lifting your hands, you're doing all the things. So these are all different forms of praise that are recorded throughout the scriptures, all of which you can find throughout the Psalms. It's pretty cool, and you can dive deep into each of these. I mean, I was getting lost in the rabbit hole of the seven forms of worship. And we don't got time to unpack them all, but um, what I did notice about all of these, or at least um, there, was, there was three attributes that I felt like kind of encompassed all of these. First one was these forms of praise, they involve some form of express expression, outward expression, right? Like it wasn't necessarily you just stand there, and I'm not saying that's not worship, that's not like you're not praising, but there's, there, there's some sort of outward movement, expression to these. There's a level of audibility, and yes, that is a word. I had to look it up, but it is. It's the level of noise, right? There's a level of noise to, to praise. And then it involves some, or it takes place in some public type setting. There's people around. <clears throat> one, if not all, of these three things are present when you're looking at praise in the scriptures. Now, you may be thinking, well, listen, pastor, I don't like to express myself in worship. I just want to sit there and sway. Or, I don't like to sing out loud. Have you heard my voice? And I have heard some of your voices. <laughs> and I'm right there with you. Or, I don't want to express my love for God in front of everybody. Why can't I just do it by myself? To which I would say, those are all valid questions, valid thoughts, and they all have their place to some degree. But I believe that the more we understand God and what he's like, his nature, his character, what he thinks of us, what he's done for us, the more we will want to praise as described in the Bible. The more you will have a hard time containing what you've experienced when it comes to God. And we're all on a journey of understanding more of the character and nature of God. But I believe as you discover more and more, your praise begins to become more and more. Dave is a pretty good example of this. 
uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, maybe too good of an example, he gets pretty wild um, dancing. And I want to read it to you if you haven't heard it. 2 Samuel, uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says, Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Baalah of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherub. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments. Lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Then, skip a few verses. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went through and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. They were bringing the ark of the covenant back to its rightful place, back to Jerusalem. The Philistines had captured it years and years ago. And so David felt he was compelled to bring this thing back. And when he finally had, obviously, you just read, he could not contain his excitement, his praise. He could not contain it. It came out in all seven forms of worship. He was shouting. He was dancing. He was singing, even to the point of looking foolish in front of his entire city. And he was the king the one leading, right? And so I read this, and having read Samuel and having read the Psalms and, and knowing a little bit about the life of David, clearly David did have some struggles and some doubts when it came to God. I mean, just read Psalms 88. He had some serious struggles internally, mentally. I mean, he went through it. And he wasn't afraid to vocalize and be honest and write those things down. But at the same time, David fundamentally believed that God was good, that he could be trusted, and he was worthy to be praised. He had experienced God enough times, he had seen him work in his life enough times that nothing, not even his own mental issues, right, was going to take away his praise. So I love that song that we just sang, What Can Take Away My Hallelujah. It's like when you've experienced God, enough times to know he's worthy to be praised. And there's nothing that can take this away from me. I may not feel it in the moment. I may not be happy about it. I may not understand what's going on, but I do know that God is still worthy to be praised. I would put it this way. If we could see what David saw, we would praise like David praised. Maybe with a little more clothes on, but if we could see, if we could understand what David understood about God, what he knew about God, I think we would actually praise very similarly to how David praised. Which brings me to, you have a reason to praise. 
you have a reason to praise. And I'm going to try to prove it to you these next few moments. So I want to give you a couple of reasons why we should praise and what it does for us and in us, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. The first one is it's a command. So right off the bat, you don't got much of a choice. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, it's actually a command to praise him. We just read Psalm 150, right? Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. You got breath. We got to praise. But don't get me wrong here. Praise is not so that we can just feed God's ego as if he needs our praise. What a foolish thought. To think that God actually needs your praise, he doesn't. He doesn't need your praise. All of creation is already praising him, currently and forever. The Bible says the heavens declares the goodness of God. The skies declare his handiwork, right? The story in Luke, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he's about to be crucified, and he's coming in, and the crowds of people are praising and rejoicing and shouting. And the religious leaders, they say, hey, Jesus, you need to calm them down. They're they're way too much. This is too much. And Jesus tells them, look, if they don't shout out, if they don't praise, the rocks will cry out. Somebody's got to do it, right? And so all of creation is already praising the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, and everything in it knows who the creator is. And so when we praise, we're just joining in with the party, But I wouldn't say that God needs your praise. I do believe it gives him glory. I do believe it brings honor. I do believe it's a a testimony to those around us. But God doesn't need your praise. You need you to praise. You actually need it because it benefits you. Which brings me to the second reason we praise for connection. Praise grants us access to God's presence in unique ways. Going back to Psalms 100, which we read earlier, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. This is referring to Moses' tabernacle that he had constructed when Israel was in the wilderness. And the tabernacle was divided into three parts, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where God dwelled amongst his people. Um, And there's only one way into the Holy of Holies. There's only one gate that led into the outer court, and you would walk through into the inner court and then walk into the Holy of Holies. But not anybody could go into the Holy of Holies. It was only the priests that could go into the Holy of Holies. But when you read through the scriptures, and in Hebrews it says that we actually have now a great high priest His name is Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus did when he died and rose again was he actually tore down the veil that separated the Holy of Holies and the outer court and the inner court. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to grant access, full access to God for his people. Isn't that amazing? So now we have access to the Holy of Holies. We have access to God regardless of where you are at. That means you don't have to go to Bible study. That means you don't have to listen to some scholarly, professional teacher, pastor. 
You don't even necessarily need to show up to church. I'm not discouraging it, all right? Keep coming. You need some place to come and be with a community of believers. But that doesn't, you don't come to church just because you get access to God like it used to be. You actually have access to God wherever you are. And praise is one of the quickest ways to get there. It's a connection that you have, a direct access through praise to the heart of the Father. Isn't that cool? If you feel a distance between you and God, if you feel like there's something missing, I would encourage you to start to praise and see what happens. <clears throat> Thirdly, I would say praise is, reason to praise is it's a campsite. It's a place where God's presence dwells. I'm going on the sea themes if you haven't noticed, okay? I know, you guys are getting there. How many of you guys like camping? Come on, raise your hands. All right. For the rest of you, why do you live here? <laughs> why do you live in Alaska? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but in all seriousness, my wife and I, we love to camp. We're the type that we like to go out to the middle of nowhere type camping, you know? Um, true camping. I got introduced to rafting with my family, <laughs> and, or with my wife and her family, and they do some pretty gnarly raft trips several days at a time, and it's just a blast. I love being out in the middle of nowhere. However, kids has changed the game a little bit, I must admit. Um, we took our, our daughter, she was not even one at the time, on her first raft trip, and uh, needless to say, we haven't done it again. And now the twins are here, our twin boys, and I don't see us doing it for a very long time. Because, well, I think you know. And so um, it was a nightmare. But I got to admit and repent to all of you who have showed up in your fifth wheel to that campsite, all the times I've judged those people. Derek Tremelling, I apologize. And I envy you now. <laughs> so there's that. But in any case, one of my favorite parts about camping um, is when you got everything set up. You've got the spot. You've got your tent set up. You've got the fire going. The food is made. And for whatever reason, the food tastes a thousand times better at the campsite than it does at home. I don't know why, but it does, right? And everything is there. It's set up. And then you just get to relax, right? And, in, and enjoy the scenery, the beauty, the sights, the sounds, even the smells most of the time, right? It's like, it, you just, you're, you get away. You're out. You're out of the hustle, the bustle, the grind, especially when you got no cell service. There's just something about it, isn't it? It's just a place of rest and peace for the most part. I think the same is true with praise when it comes to our relationship with God. Psalms 22, verse 3. And this is something, this is a scripture I kept, it was just on my mind all week. It says, you, talking about God, are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Another translation says, you inhabit the praises of your people. However you want to look at it, whenever there's praise unto God, we are giving him a place to dwell amongst his people a place to set up camp, set up the site, and then to just enjoy the presence 
of him, to be at peace, to be at rest, to just to stop with the hustle, to stop with just the go, 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 the hurried life, the fast-paced life, right, that a lot of us live, and to slow down and, and enjoy the beauty of him, the presence. <clears throat> and then fourth reason to praise is it's a counterattack, which ties into actually this scripture that we just read. But it's a weapon against the enemy, praise can be. It's a powerful tool we have at our disposal when we praise. Because when you praise, you're inviting God into your situation for him to set up, set up shop, right? To set up his throne and take control. When a king is sitting on his throne, what does that symbolize? Power, control. Somebody's in, somebody's in charge, right? They know what they're doing. Everybody's looking to the king. That's what happens when you praise. You're preparing the place, the throne, and now the Bible says that he is enthroned. He sits on his throne. And so when you're in a situation that may be very difficult, when you're in a season that is extremely hard, and you begin to praise, what you're doing is saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I'm not in control, but I want you to be. And he comes. And he sits on his throne. And then you get to watch what he does in you, through you, and all around you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not always my first thing. My first go-to when I'm struggling is praise. <laughs> like when I'm in a situation, it's, I'm not always like, oh, thank you, God, you know, and it's like all hunky-dory. Some of you can relate, right? I think some of the things that we tend to do naturally in, in difficult times and seasons and situations is moan and groan and complain and whine a little bit. But if praise invites the presence of God in those moments and situations, what do you think complaining does? What does complaining invite in those moments? Not God. It's an opportunity for the enemy to bring discouragement, to bring anger, to being resentment, bitterness, all kinds of things. You fill in the blanks because you've probably done it before. I know I have in those moments where I just want to complain. And that doesn't help the situation. Now, I want to just provide a little caveat because I know some of you may be thinking, well, what? I'm in a horrible situation right now, Paul. What do you, you think I could just praise it out? And to which I would say, no. But I would say, look at the example in Psalms when David was in a moment like that, what did he do? He poured out his heart unto God. He poured it all out. He laid it all out. God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Some of you felt like that before, right? I mean, he just pens it all out. I would say he was honest in his praise. But notice what he doesn't do. Go to his friends and start complaining, start whining, start moaning about, his situation, what so-and-so did to him, how so-and-so wants to kill him, right? I'm not saying you don't confide in friends. I think it's great to have community and people to go to, but ultimately, God's the one who's going to end up delivering you and saving you. He's your source of strength. He should be our natural go-to. And so I would say, by all means, pour out your heart to God in the midst of your struggle. He's a big God. He can handle it. He can take it. He wants your honesty. He wants your honest heart. He doesn't want the fake stuff. 
He doesn't want you to just show up on a Sunday and raise the hands when internally you're, you're, you're battling, you're dying inside, right? He wants all of you, all of it. But when we complain to others and we moan about our situation, that's breeding ground for the enemy to set up shop and to wreak havoc in our lives. But when we praise, that's a weapon against the enemy. You're literally denying him access into your life. And that's why I would say that some of our biggest breakthrough moments come just after our praise moments. Uh, back to the counterattack, the first time praise is mentioned in the Bible is when Jacob's son Judah is born in Genesis 29. Judah literally means praise. So anytime you see the name Judah in Scripture, you can think praise. Well, Revelation 5.5 tells us that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, praise, who has won the victory. So just know any situation that you find yourself in, whether you're battling fear or a struggle, an addiction, a hardship, you're being harassed by the enemy, just know that Jesus has already won your victory. And sometimes all we need to do is be reminded to praise. And then watch what happens. Watch the breakthrough take place. Watch God begin to do something maybe in your own heart, in your own life. Change your perspective, change your heart. That's what the power of praise can do. And then lastly, praise is a clarifier. Reminds us of who God is. I remember a story I heard years ago. In fact, it's probably here in this church um, of a old missionary woman who was in China and she contracted a deadly disease with no one to take care of her. She was all on her own. She had gone by herself. And she contracted this disease, and she laid there in her bed for days and days and days. And day after day, she would pray. She would pray for God to deliver her of this pain, of the sickness, but nothing would seem to happen. No breakthrough was happening. Uh, then one night, she has a dream, and in her dream is this old-fashioned scale, you know, with the fulcrum and uh, the, the plates hanging on the chains, right? And um, when one's got some weight in it, it, it teeters. And so she sees this picture, and one of the weight, one of the uh, plates is lower than the other, meaning it had some weight in it, and the other one was raised up. And so she asks the Lord, she says, Lord, what does this mean? I don't understand. And he said, well, the one with the weight in it, that's... That's your prayers. And then she said, okay, well, what's, what's the other one? What's the other one raised up? Why is it not balanced out? And he said, that's your praise. And so she thought, okay. So I think the Lord's telling me I need, I need to start praising. Even though it didn't make sense. Even though her life was, her health was not good. It looked bleak. She did it anyways. And she began to praise. With what little strength she had, it was just started out with just a whisper, thanking God for, for who he is, thanking him for his greatness. She would praise him for sending Jesus to die for her sins and all the benefits that are now bestowed upon her through that relationship with Christ. And she praised him for being her savior, her healer, her provider, and everything he had done for her. 
And what she noticed was she began to get a little louder with her praise as the days went on. And she found a little more strength. And so obviously she kept going. She kept praising. And her neighbors in her apartment complex heard her start to get louder and louder. And they thought, oh my goodness, this lady is delusional. Like this, this disease is taking over. She's probably on her way out, right? And still no one jumped in to help. And then you can imagine their shock when one day this old lady walks out of her room on her own, totally healed, totally healthy. That's the power of praise. Praise, when we shift our focus from our troubles, when we shift our focus from our mess, when we shift our focus from our pain, when we shift our focus from ourselves, we begin to focus on the greatness of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. When we begin to do those types of things, miracles can happen. And we're reminded again of how good God is, of who he really is, of his sovereignty over us, that he's in control that he can take control of your situation if you allow him, if you would only praise and watch the miracles, watch the breakthroughs begin to take place in your life. Watch your heart begin to shift, begin to be drawn closer to the heart of the Father as you connect with him through praise. I want to invite you to stand. I want to read a psalm, psalm of praise for us, and then we're going to go into one more song, and we're going to praise, okay? And it's okay to dance, it's okay to sing, it's okay to shout, lift your hands, sway a little bit, whatever it is that you want to do to express your praise before the Lord. Psalms 146 says, praise the Lord, let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in power, powerful people. There is no help for you there. When, when they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Help me with this one. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.